Welcome to this edition of the Million Dollar Mastermind Podcast. This is where we pick the brains of high achievers from all walks of life and get their hard-earned, real-world insights on winning. I'm your host, Larry Wydell. Good afternoon, everybody. We're talking to Chase Farmer. Hello, Chase. Hey, what's up, Larry? How you doing, man? Very, very good. And Chase, where are you right now? Today, I'm in uh, Reno, Nevada, actually. Yeah. Reno. Is that a home base for you? No, I'm from the Bay Area. When I grew up there, you know, built all my companies there initially, but I moved them all out here in 2021. So I go back and forth between uh, Nevada and California on a consistent basis. Yeah. Yeah. So you're actually in the Reno area or out by the lake? Yeah. Ski resort. We're like the redheaded stepchild of the lake, you know, so Tahoe, everyone knows Tahoe, but Reno is the one that gets the taxes, but Tahoe has a lake. So, but we're only 20 minutes away. So, you know, live in the taxes, go to the lake. Yeah. Fantastic. And so Chase, let's talk about, you started your, one thing I'd noticed about, you know, you found a niche, you get that recommendation all the time. You're like, find a niche that, uh, needs to be filled and you can make improvements and things like that. That's exactly what you did. You zeroed in early on in your life, it appears, and you can correct me on that, but in the payments industry and uh, started a business. And eventually you did that at 19. By the time you were 32, that thing was generating over 40 million a year. And so uh, congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to be a, become a success much less to to have it skyrocket like that. So congratulations. And uh, how do you think that came about that the first thing came on your radar growing up? Like, I'm going to go into the payments business. I'm going to get this on my own. I don't think it did it. I just was always, I always felt like the underdog. So I always felt like the only one that was going to allow me to win was me. And uh, I don't know why that was always ingrained in me. I think it's just because I was a smaller guy. And then I always played sports. And so I was also really very, very good at sports so like football and track and all that i got a full track scholarship i could have got a football scholarship but i was always the small guy competing and so i think everyone automatically already assumes like the big guys you know they're automatically better or whatever so i always had to like really work hard to and it just you know i felt like i was being judged by people that never even played football well you know and so but that like ingrained belief in me i think pretty much like ruled the entire my whole entire life and so like I didn't believe I was ever going to get a fair shot at a job. I never believed that I was going to ever get paid fairly unless, and then I was never going to listen to a guy that I thought I was better than. So I, you know, which is basically most companies management. You have some star that works under some manager that he could run circles around, but that's just how corporate America works. And so I think I just really kind of like, I clung on to that and, um, I just always knew I'd never work for anybody and I never have. I never had an actual real job where I worked clocked an hour anywhere. So uh, I've always worked for myself and uh, that's just always helped. If you look back over the years, can you remember any one particular incident where that idea got started? Because somehow it got into your system all the way to your the marrow of your bones. Uh, what actually... I bring this back, you know, and I, I did a lot of therapy on this because I was, I really like was, I don't know why I was like so angry all the time, but I think honestly it was, I played a high school football my senior year. And this is what it goes back to, unfortunately, like so high school years, but essentially 
I scored like 26 touchdowns my fresh my senior year in high school. And I, you know, got all the things, all the first teams and all these things. And so, but I wasn't really getting recruited hard. And so I talked to my head coach and I was like, hey, I'm like probably one of the best players on your team. I was. And and I and I was like, you know, I'd like to talk to like some of these schools out here, these D1 schools. He's like, you think you could play D1? First of all, he wasn't even in a position to actually, it's not his decision. Like if he's going to help me do this, it's fine. I was like, let them decide, you know, but at that moment and then that point, and then I ran for athlete of the year and it was him, it was his decision not to give it to me. And I was like really upset about this because the guy that beat me, like I went to state and track. I like beat him. I, he was ran the same events as me. I, I crushed him on all those events. I got all MVP in track. And then I was like, I got 26 touchdowns. I would say like four on the same team, you know, and like, here's this guy winning. And I was just like, how's this even thing? But that's when I was like, if you're not who the world wants you to be, then the chips are stacked against you. And I feel like, how are you going to be your authentic self if everyone's going to be the, they're going to be the judge and the jury of like what happens, you know? So like, I just figured I can be my own judge and jury and then always get the verdicts and the outcome that I want. I think in a lot of ways that served me well, you know, unfortunately for those things that what happened, what I just said was actually true. And it pissed me off for a very long time because I, I really, and it was just one of those things that like, there's not many things, I'm a pretty simple person, but there's not many things like I actually really like wanted. And like, I remember that was one of those things that like, I really wanted, you know, and I just earned it, you know, and then I didn't get it. And I was just like, and then he came up and I just remember the last thing was, and I feel like this is a therapy session, but the last thing was he came up and he's like, oh, like, you know, it's okay. It's okay, Chase. They shaking my hand. And I was like, this guy, dude, I was just so pissed. Like, I was like, and then, you know, I so just like that, like haunted me. I swear to God, but that was the moment I think that I can boil it down to where I just was like, this is never going to happen to me again. I'm never going to be in a position where I'm the best and I can't win. And so, I mean, I'm just never going to leave it up to someone else to decide my fate. And uh, I think that was the moment. Yeah. I think if you were to uh, zero out and say, look at their lives and your life at age 32, right. when you're at 32 and you were looking at the survey, how everybody around you in your entire universe at 18 or so, yeah, how they were doing, you might look and say, that was divine intervention that came in there. Maybe maybe that's all supposed to happen. Just, just swept me up yeah. for what? I needed to be doing. I needed that yeah. anger more than I needed that trophy sitting on the shelf. <laughs> yeah. But it was like, you know, it was just so important to me. And so I just, I look back on it now. I was like, well, what's the big deal? You know, it's just a stupid high school thing, you know, but to me at that time, it was like everything, you know? And so I think yeah, it haunted me. You know, we're all looking for validation early on. Right. And, you know, there are people, there are a lot of young youngsters who listen to this and, uh, that early validation is incredibly important because, you know, you have feelings about yourself, but when you get the endorsement or the recognition from others, it kind of tells you I'm on the right track here. And then you swatted down. Yeah. <laughs> like that. It was terrible. Yeah. And it was because like it was, yeah, I mean, we don't have to keep going on, but it was like, you know, just a lot of factors. I mean, terrible, but yeah. So, but yeah, that's my path to trauma. And that, that's what drove me. <laughs> But the thing is, the deal is how you reacted to it. You know, you didn't say like, the world is against me, uh, you know, is against me. I won't yeah. try again. It's amazing how many people do that, isn't it? You know, people go through, they get swatted down in life and they'll just take it. You know, it's just like, I'm not good enough. You know, my fault. What can you do? I mean, you could cry about it 
or you can take steps forward. It's like at the end of the day, no one's going to come save your ass except you. The reality is, is that everyone's got their own freaking problems. And just you have a problem, big deal, right? I mean, I've had way more bigger problems since that, you know, first problem back then. But that's basically one problem that I couldn't actually control. The other ones I created myself and or, you know, I was part of or whatever. But all you can do is move forward. That's it. When you say moving forward, what was your main thrust moving forward that led you into, you know, starting your own business in the payments industry? Yeah. So, well, that story goes back to I had a full track scholarship. I dropped out because I wanted to start a business, but I didn't know what to do. So uh, back, I answered a newspaper ad with the classified section back when uh, people used to read newspapers. And there was a there was a classified ad for credit card processing in there. I didn't even know what it was, honestly, at the time. And, but this is back in like 1998. And so credit cards processing at that, half of the businesses out there weren't even taking credit cards at that time. It was still super new actually. And so the only places that really took them were like hotels and restaurants and, but main like main street businesses, mom and pop shops, like none of those guys had credit cards at the time. And so we would go out and he'd set appointments and I learned for like one month, I ran that sales office. And then I saw how much the guy that was running that sales office was making. And then I quit and started the same business. Cause I was like, this guy, if this guy can do it, because this guy was just like, he was like a raging alcoholic. He'd go, we'd go there in the morning at seven o'clock in the morning. He'd have, the first thing he'd do when we get there is he'd ask me to go get him a bottle of vodka. And then so like, wow. Yeah. He's just like talking about like seven in the morning, right? And so like, we would actually, we would go there, like the sales guys would meet and we get our leads. We go out to these businesses and he'd sit at that office and drink the whole entire day. And then at the end of the day, we'd come back and he'd be like, He'd have the sales meeting, right? Just drunk. And like, he'd basically have the sales meeting and any of the guys that didn't sell anything, he like let them have it. It was a, I mean, it was kind of hilarious to watch, but I was just like, man, this guy's a sideshow. And if this guy can make this kind of money and uh, this is him, this is who makes this kind of money. I was like, man, then I, I can do this and I can do it. I can make a lot more. Back then it was like the wild, wild west of credit cards. So because there was no stores actually really taking credit cards, the only people that were out there facilitating these needs were, guys like us, like, you know, going out there and being the kind of the middleman between the pink and the processor. So it, it ended up being a really great business for me. Um, you know, once I started making residual income, though, I was a kid, right? So I was like, in my early 20s. And I was like, Oh, my God, I don't have to work for this money. It's like it just comes in every month, right? And so then I took off a year of and then I played like golf, like every single day, like, and I didn't work. And then my dad was like, dude, you're trying to but I would do like these little things like, hey, I'll try to Oh, because I wasn't working. So I was like, well, I'm making all this money. I can add more income if I do something else. Like, let's try real estate. Let's try this. Let's try this. You know, my dad was like, dude, you have, you're making all this money and you're doing all these other things. He's like, if you just focus on this business, what are you doing? Like, you need to focus on this business. So I was like, hmm. I was like, you know, what am I doing? So that's when I, yeah, after that moment, I, I uh, really did start focused on that business. And then I had my son when I was about like 28. And uh, just for that, like those three years, I turned it into a massive business. Thanks for listening to the Million Dollar Mastermind. If you felt there were any valuable takeaways from this episode, please take a minute and leave us a five-star review. Your feedback is important and really helps us get the word out to a wider audience. Remember, we have a valuable webinar that is absolutely free Register for it right now at whitealamwinning.com. Thanks for listening.